Lord, as the children go off to study, so may we devote ourselves to study. Open your word to us that we might understand, open our ears, which so much noise in our world, open our ears to the truth of your voice and your word, open our eyes to see these words and our lives and our neighbors and this world accurately. Our eyes sometimes deceive us and lead us astray, and so, Lord, lead us into truth. But most importantly, Lord, open our hearts now. There's so much going on that echoes in our hearts, the anxieties and excitement, uh, the, the experiences of this past week and things we anticipate. So for a few moments, Lord, would you still our hearts and give us attentive minds that we might be able to understand your word and then as we go from this place to to live to apply your word daily in loving our neighbors and so guide us we pray through Christ our Lord amen okay I want you to imagine a world imagine a world uh, where where there's an economy that says the deeper in debt you become, the richer you actually are. So imagine a world, imagine an economy where the more in debt you become, you're actually richer. In such a world, it would be a great benefit then to remain in debt, right? A a, a continuing debt that would lead to great riches. Uh, Such a world would be very different than our own, true, right? Because in this world, in this economy, we try to get out of debt. We try to stay out of debt. But in this other world that I'm asking you to imagine, you actually want to run up the tab. All of this is a curious way to begin a sermon the very week that we're going to begin Financial Peace University. I apologize, Melinda, okay? Uh, Public service announcement, take the Financial Peace University class if you have never done so. It will be worth it. But where would there ever be a scenario? Where would there be a world? Where would there be an economy where being in debt would actually be a good thing? We have been preached to and taught and led and guided to get out of debt. Don't get in debt. If you get in, get out as quickly as you can. Where would there be such a world? Well, welcome, friends, to the economy of the kingdom of God. And so may I invite you, if you haven't already, turn to Romans chapter 13, page 1763. And we're going to read verses 8 through 10, just a couple verses. And so the Apostle Paul writes, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. 
the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Let no debt remain outstanding. That's the counsel that our world and our economy gives to us, right? And so this is the guidance of Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University and so many others. Get out of debt. So let no debt remain outstanding. Pay it off. Except, hmm, okay. Except there is a debt that we want to pay attention to. A continuing debt, a perpetual debt. Some translations call it a perpetual debt of love. And so here we see the two worlds, the two economies being contrasted. Get out of debt. Make sure you stay in debt. Okay, what, 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 what's going on here, Paul? <clears throat> in the economy of the kingdom, in our apprenticeship to Jesus, we like to talk about it these days, being a disciple of Jesus, being an apprentice to Jesus, there's a completely different accounting system. The economy of the kingdom of God operates differently than our economy. In the kingdom, you want to stay in debt. You want to understand the continuing debt. You, you want to have a perpetual debt so that you will become richer. <clears throat> So let's try to work this thing out. So I'm going to ask you to reach in your pockets right now and pull out your thinking caps and put them on. In the economy of our world, getting out of debt frees you from an obligation. When, when you borrow money, you are obligated to pay that back. There's the force of law that sits behind it if it has been contracted with some lender. I recognize family members will sometimes lend to family members and it is not contracted. You may not be able to recover that money and it impacts relationships, right? And so in the economy of our world, getting out of debt frees you from an obligation. And it's not just paying back the sum of money, we call that the principal, but then you also pay an additional amount, that's the interest, right? And then, of course, we have interest compounding over time, and so that's how they get you sometimes, right? So when you get free from the debt, from the obligation, you are free then to do as you please with the money. You no longer have that obligation binding you and your personal finances. <clears throat> That's the economy of the world. In the economy of God's kingdom, the whole point is to keep you under that obligation. Uh, well, I'm not sure I want to be under obligation. That's the whole point of getting out of debt, right? <clears throat> what Paul writes about here is we are to let, let no debt remain outstanding. Pay it off. 
accept this continuing debt to love one another. We are to live in a, with a constant awareness of our spiritual indebtedness. The continuing perpetual debt keeps us under obligation to love. Because love is the currency of God's kingdom. It's how the kingdom of God operates. Whoever has fulfilled, whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. What what Paul is trying to help us understand is that the, the kingdom of God operates with a different currency. In our world, in our economy, the currency is money, cash. And and there's a little phrase, cash is what? Cash is king. But in 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 the kingdom of God, is cash king? No. Love is king. Love is the currency of this other kingdom this world that I've asked you to imagine this economy where the deeper in debt you become the richer you are it's a world where there's a different currency when we love when we use the currency of the kingdom when we love we become richer people When we love, our lives change for the better. Our relationships are enriched. Our priorities are reoriented and ordered rightly. And and we find meaning in our lives when we love others. We find meaning and purpose and and a sense of significance and well-being. And it, it feels like this is what I was meant to do. And we discover true riches. I think this is some of what Jesus was talking about. We go back to our summer series about where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so Paul's, I think, unpacking this. God has created us for a purpose. And it is to love others. Well, first is to love Him. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. We have been created for this purpose. Sadly, the effect of sin in our lives causes us to turn away from the love of God and the love of neighbor. And it's not that we don't love, it's that we we love ourselves (laughs) over God and over our neighbors. And so this is what sin does to us. Instead of living a life outward directed towards God, heart, mind, soul, strength, all that I have, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the things that God would have me do. And the things that God would have me do is to love my neighbor, the people he's placed around me. Instead of that, what we do under the effects of sin is we, we love ourselves. We, we turn inward. Tragically, we see this, I think most clearly, in the story of Cain and Abel. God gave Cain and Abel to each other, and to Adam and Eve, but but to each other to love. 
to learn how to love, to learn how to share, to learn how to partner, to learn how to encourage. But Cain didn't want to do that. And so Cain rises up and takes his brother's life and then dismissively, when interrogated by God, where is your brother Abel? We, we know what Cain says, right? Am I my brother's keeper? Where'd you come up with that idea, Cain? Where would you ever come up with the idea that you are to keep your brother? Well, it's because I've made you for that purpose. We intrinsically know that we are responsible and that we are connected to and, and we have some obligation to our fellow human being. And so he dismissively, am I my brother's keeper? Cain felt no obligation to care for or protect, to love his very own brother. And so Cain was the poorest of men, right, at that moment, right? The moment at which you feel no obligation to care for another person, that's the moment at which you are the most impoverished of all people. Funny story, a few weeks ago, go have lunch with our son Turner. I'm, I'm sorry, dinner with our son Turner over in the Tysons area. And the particular stretch of road, we're coming out of the restaurant, and it's just, it's just car after car after car. And finally, stoplight, cars stop. And so there's that car right there. And I look at them, and I just, and I've, I've been waiting, you know, a minute or so. I look at them kind of like, And, and I said, how sad to be that person that doesn't have enough time to let somebody else in. And so I said, Lord, I have to pray for that person because I'm really mad at them right now. <laughs> that person at that moment demonstrated a, a poverty not even having the courtesy to allow one person who's been waiting there for a very long time. It's happened to be me. <clears throat> one look at what's happening in Israel right now tells us the poverty of our world. I'm not taking sides. There's no sides. to. We just look at the, 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 the human destruction that is taking place. Imagine if all those people chose to love each other instead of seek to annihilate and destroy each other. Yeah, Don, well, that's why the world doesn't work that way. Which is why the world doesn't work, right? The world is not working. And so the key... <clears throat> And this was the aha as I was studying the passage this week. I've kind of always thought that the debt is to the neighbor. I'm indebted to you. And so I'm trying to pay off that debt by loving you. I realize that is not the debt. I am not indebted to you. I am indebted to God. Oh. 
I'm indebted to God. You are indebted to God for your very life, your very existence, for the mercy that, that, that guides you and protects you and forgives you and forbears you. The experience of this world that we have, we are indebted to God for all of this. And so God in his love for us, even though we are so deeply in debt, God in his love gives each of us a unique set of neighbors that we might learn how to love. Oh. Remember a couple weeks ago I was talking about the knuckleheads, right? God places people in our lives that we might learn how to love others. Our continuing debt, the, the continuing debt that Paul writes about here, is not to one another. Our continuing debt is to God. That's why we want to become even more in debt. We want to become aware more and more of how in debt to God we are. And our obligation is to love. Because when we love, we grow. And when we grow, we become rich. This is how the economy of the kingdom of God works. And so friends, fellow Christians, fellow apprentices of Jesus Christ, we are in debt. We are deeply in debt. We are so in debt that we could never possibly pay it off. You are in debt to God. I am indebted to God. Every one of us is under an obligation to God. But the good news of the gospel is he doesn't ask us to pay off our debt. We could not atone for our own sins, our own pride, our own rebellion, our own folly. It is not possible. We cannot do it. And thanks be to God, Jesus already has. This is the gospel, right? And I wrote the phrase down so I wouldn't, wouldn't forget it. We owe a debt we cannot pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. So we owe a debt to God that we could never pay. Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe. And so we are under obligation to God. And what Paul understands here is the way we fulfill that obligation then is by loving. What God does is he gives each of us a unique set of neighbors to love. Each one of us has a unique web of relationships that are tailor-made by God. The people in your life are there by God's design. Parents, siblings, children, cousins, extended family, co-workers, friends, strangers, neighbors who live across the street and side by side in the backyard, church members, acquaintances, old high school and college friends, now, some of our webs of relationships obviously overlap. We're in the room together, right? And so some of us know the same people, but no one else on planet Earth has the exact web of relationships that you have. Those are the neighbors God has given you to love. He calls us and commands us to love these so that in learning to love our neighbors, and yes, some of them are knuckleheads, our lives are enriched. Our lives are healed. We, we turn from the love of self to the love of neighbor. 
Sin misshapes each one of our lives. Your life is misshapen by sin. My life is misshapen by sin. And so God puts people in our lives to, to unbend you away from yourself towards others. As we commit ourselves to loving the actual neighbors that we have from God, we become richer. We become richer in humility, richer in compassion, in wisdom, in kindness, in patience. Lord, give us patience and give it now. He says, okay, go love this person that's really hard to love. Yeah, 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 I think I want patience another way. Nope, I've given you this neighbor might be a family member, that you might become a patient person. We become richer in mercy. This is particularly parents to children. Our children say things, do things. They frustrate us. They, 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 uh, mercy towards our parents. Mercy towards our children. And it's only as we grow that we realize the mercy that our parents have had towards us, Right? We become richer in forbearance and tenacity and perseverance because we don't give up on loving people. Thanks be to God, He doesn't give up on loving us and so we don't give up on loving others. We become richer in resilience and steadfastness. In a word, you take all of these character qualities that emerge in our lives over time as we love others. It is love. <laughs> yeah, but some of these people are hard to love, Don. Exactly why God put them in your life. <laughs> and as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, do you ever consider that you're the knucklehead that somebody else has to love? Ooh, I didn't think about it that way. Of course not, because we're blinded. To, we love ourselves, so why wouldn't everybody else love us, right? What's not to love, huh? The person who looks different, the person who sounds different, the person who votes different. Really? The person who may believe differently than you do. Has been given to you by God that you might learn to love them. And so the greater awareness we have of our indebtedness to God, the more I realize how much God has done for me through Jesus Christ and the greatness of my sin, the greater awareness of my debt to God leads me to a greater commitment to love my neighbor. God, you haven't given up on me. How could I ever give up on this person? And so the greater debt leads to greater riches in the economy of the kingdom of God. And, and if we're not sure what it means to love, then, then, then Paul spells it out for us. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, whatever the command is summed up in this one command, love your neighbor yourself. And, and, and just in case you're not clear about that, love does no harm to a neighbor. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Our doctors have picked up on this, right? The Hippocratic Oath, above all else, do no harm. And so let us go forth as the followers, the apprentices of Jesus, to love the unique set of people that God has placed in your life. And you give gratitude to God for those people. And then you set yourself to love them. And if you can't love them well this week, then at least do no harm to them. Do not speak ill of them. Do not seek their demise in any way. Do not seek to diminish their reputation. 
Rather seek to build them up as best you can. And if nothing else, pray for them. Amen. We are going to sing a 